Hello everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. Well, I have an announcement that I want to announce on uh, before we get started here. Uh, my third book has been released and it's called The Christian Benefit Package. <clears throat> and this is really a good book that you want to get if you're not sure about all your benefits. Let me just read the back of it to you. It says, um, uh, do you know all the benefits you have in Christ? If you want to be more a more powerful Christian, read this book. This book will open your understanding uh, to who you are in Christ by highlighting your Christian benefits. <clears throat> in part one, we will learn about the covenants God made with us in the Bible and the benefits and consequences we received from those covenants. In part two, we will talk about the gifts Jesus gave to the church for us to grow. And we will discuss the benefits of those gifts. And we also have uh, some different church leaders who will be uh, having a section here uh, to show that these gifts are functioning in the church today, um, according to their testimonies and their statements. <clears throat> and in part three of this book, we will talk about the many specific benefits you and I have in Christ, which are numerous. We have so many benefits that we aren't taking advantage of or that we, uh, we forget about. And I, I guarantee that by reading this book, you will become more powerful. Knowing who you are and all the benefits that you have will cause the rest of your journey here on earth to be victorious. Knowledge is power. Read this book and learn all about your Christian benefits. So, amen, this book called The Christian Benefit Package, <clears throat> and it's you can get it from Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon.com, anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's in e, uh, the ebook form as well. Um, so just Google it. And when you Google it, make sure you put my entire name in there, Linda Faye Anderson, um, the Christian Benefit Package, and it will come up. Amen? All right. So let's just, that was just a short little commercial there, but <clears throat> we're going to get into our lesson. So last week, uh, and for anybody that's new to the station, this is uh, Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. I am Elder Linda. <clears throat> And here we read the scripture, we make sure we understand it, and then we make application to our lives. And I post a new video uh, every Wednesday. So give me a thumb up, subscribe to the channel. Uh, and if there's any questions that you have, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, uh, add that to the comment section. Any questions about the lesson? <clears throat> but last week we were, we finished up uh, with chapter 10. And chapter 10 was the second major teaching that Jesus gave since he started his ministry. The first major teaching was Sermon on the Mount, chapter five, six, and seven. Well, here chapter 10 was the second major teaching. And this was the teaching that he was giving to his disciples because <clears throat> he was preparing to send them out uh, so that they can proclaim the kingdom. And he gave them instructions on what they were to say. And excuse me for clearing my throat. It's the sinus thing is kind of, kind of messing with me today. <clears throat> But some of the instructions he gave them, he told them um, that they were to, when he sent the disciples out, um, this is the first time he sent them out, he told them that they were to go to the Jews only. And we talked about that last week because um, this was just the order in which he was going to get the word out. First go to the Jews and then later on in Matthew 28, we're going to see that Jesus told them to go to all nations. So it included everybody in the whole world. <clears throat> he also told them not to take any money. Or anything with them just to trust that he was going to take care of them 
And we talked about how that took faith. And we talked about how um, uh, Jesus told them they were going to be like sheep, sheep among wolves, which means they were going to be attacked, that people are going to come against them quite a bit. And that is what happened. And he told them that they would be called names. He said, they called me names. They called me Beelzebub, that I was casting out demons by the prince of Beelzebub. They're going to call you that and even probably worse. So he was kind of preparing them for what they were going to encounter when they went out to proclaim the kingdom of God. But he also told them, don't be afraid. And he told them that the very hairs of their head are numbered, so which means I got you. I got your back. I'm covering you. I'm taking care of you. And he also warned them not to deny him before man. He said, because if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. <clears throat> they were encouraged to take up their cross. Uh, so go through whatever you have to go through, um, whatever suffering you need to go through, uh, that you'd have to take up your cross to follow him. Uh, and he said, he that receives you receives me. So he gave them a lot of instructions in chapter 10. Uh, it was a rich chapter with him getting them ready to go and face the world. So they had been disciples, which means they were learning from Jesus. They were being taught of Jesus. And then he sent them out as apostles, sending them out to teach what they had been taught. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to, we're going to start on chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, uh, where Jesus is going to, um, there's going to be a conversation between Jesus and John. John's going to send a message to Jesus. And also in this chapter, we're going to talk about how Jesus uh, condemns those who have rejected him since he's been preaching and teaching about the kingdom. And there are still some Jews that have decided that they were not going to receive what he has to say. They don't believe that Jesus is who he say he is. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> and then he offers a prayer to his father. So we're going to get into that as well. So, amen. Let's just start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, we honor you, we praise you, we worship you today. Father God, we're just so grateful that you've called us. We're so grateful, Lord God, that you are our God. We appreciate you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come in and be the teacher on today, that you would put your words in my mouth. Father, that you would bless all those that are listening and all those that will listen, will listen in the future. We just praise you and honor you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So we're going to go to chapter 11. And again, we're reading from the uh, King James Version of the Bible. Um, today, I might read a couple of scriptures from the New Living Translation. Uh, but we're going to start off reading from the King James Version. And as I always tell you, keep your your uh, New Living Translation handy because if you ever don't understand anything, if you read it from there, it'll explain it to you a little bit clearer because it speaks more in our language. <clears throat> okay, so in the King James Version, and we're in chapter 11 of Matthew. It says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. So he sent them out um, to preach and to teach and notice that he's also going out. So he's not telling them to do something that he's not doing. He also is going out to teach and preach. Verse two, 
Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And John is asking him if he is the Messiah. And it didn't tell us here when John went to prison, but I want to, let's see. Um, we want to read that in, in Matthew chapter 14, it tells us why John, or, you know, yeah, why he was, why he was in prison, why he went to prison. And I'm going to read that from the New Living Translation in Matthew chapter 14, verse 3 through 5. <clears throat> says, for, um, for Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias. She was the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. John the Baptist had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. So Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because of all the people, because all the people believed that John was a prophet. So what has happened here is that Herod arrested John, doesn't tell us when he arrested him, because John the Baptist told him, you are not supposed to be married to Herodias. Uh, Herod had a wife. I, I guess he had divorced her. There's a lot of little, little stuff going on here. But Herod um, got rid of his wife because he wanted Herodias. So he, I guess he convinced Herodias to leave her husband, Philip, who was Herod's brother. And she left Philip and those two got together. So John the Baptist was telling them that was wrong. What they did was wrong and they were not supposed to be doing that. Well, Herodias was upset about it. So as a favor to her, uh, <clears throat> Herod had John arrested. Wanted to, he wanted to kill him, but but he couldn't kill him because the people would have been upset about it because they knew they felt that John was really a prophet. So anyway, that is why uh, that is where John is when he sends this message to Jesus in Matthew chapter eleven. It says now when John had heard in prison, and we just talked about how he got to prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And said unto him, said unto Jesus, are you he that should come or do we look for another? So are you the Messiah? And, you know, maybe you can feel some of John's frustration because perhaps he's saying this because he's been in prison. Maybe he's been there longer than, than we can imagine he's been in there. I don't know. Um, but Jesus was supposed to come and bring judgment and bring the sword and, and he was going to come and uh, so perhaps John was expecting Jesus to get him out of prison quickly, and that hasn't happened. He's still sitting in prison. So, you know, even though he was, he baptized Jesus, remember, he saw the dove um, ascending, uh, descending on Jesus' head, and and he heard from the, the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, John was witness to all that. And he even told his disciples that Jesus was the son of God. And he sent some of them to follow him. So John knew all that, but yet here in prison, uh, in this time when, you know, when he's probably down at one of his lowest points, he starts questioning, well, well, is this really the son of God? Let me just make sure that I'm, that I'm correct. 
And I know we can relate to that because sometimes when we go through our struggles and when we go through our battles, when we go through our fire, sometimes we do question, God, did I make a mistake? Or, you know, I, I know you're with me. I know you're who you say you are. I know you can do what you said you're going to do, but it just, it just feels kind of, I feel kind of alone right now, Jesus. I feel kind of like, um, uh, I need some help. I need some reassurance. And God is so gracious and faithful to us that he always reassures us. And sometimes he reassures us. He reassured <clears throat> uh, uh, John here in verse four. He said, Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So basically, he's telling him, go and remind John and tell him what you're seeing. Tell him what I'm doing. Tell him everything that you've seen. And how often would he have to remind us? I delivered you the last time. I brought you out the last time. I've been faithful to you all these years, all your life. The same God who answered your prayer the last time you were in a pickle, the last time you were in a situation, he's still the same God and he's going to rescue you again today. He's going to be faithful to you. Amen. So he, he reassured John, I am the one. I am he. No matter what you're going through, I'm still king of kings. I'm still Lord of lords. I am still the son of God and I am still with you. So verse seven, it says, and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of, of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 16. But, uh, but whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they said he had a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Remember that statement. Verse 20. Then again, then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. So he's, he's condemning those cities where this is talking about Jesus. He's condemning those cities where he's done a lot of his work 
and they did not believe. Verse 21, he said, Woe unto thee, uh, Karazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. Now, Capernaum is the place where Jesus had his headquarters, and Peter also lived there. So it's a bunch of Jews that are there. But they they obviously were rejecting his word. He's for he says, for if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, and we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, the place that was burnt with brim, fire and brimstone. If the mighty works have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Verse 28. This is a famous verse we always read. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. That is Matthew chapter 11. Uh, so let's just go back and, and some of the notes that I wrote down that we want to bring to your attention. <clears throat> Some of the things we want to pull out, out of the chapter. Uh, we talked about uh, John uh, being in prison and sinning and asking Jesus and how Jesus told them to go back and tell John everything you've seen. So we see here that Jesus' works speak for themselves. And because he told his told John to stop, you go back and tell John everything you've seen that, you know, the blind are healed and people are raised from the dead and all that. So what is our what does our life say does our life speak for itself uh if you never said a word to anybody could people just watch you and see your life and see christ in you our lives should speak for us people should be able to look at how we live and know who we belong to that's a child of the king that's a kingdom citizen right there they shouldn't look at us and think, okay, if that if that's Christianity, I don't want any parts of it. That come on now. We we're here to be a testimony to Jesus, and our our life should reflect him. Does that mean we're perfect? No. But as much as lies in our power, when the Holy Spirit, you know, checks you and tells you to uh maybe you shouldn't do a certain thing or maybe you shouldn't act a certain way, listen and heed that because he wants us to be um ambassadors of him. And represent him well here on this earth. We don't want to shame his name. In verses 7 through 10, John was, uh, it talked about, you know, he was asking them who did they go out in the wilderness to see. It gave that whole spill about um, what did you go to see? You know, he's a prophet, yes, and much more than a prophet. 
But it was saying here, if you read that verse 9, 7 through 10, basically he's saying that John was not a pushover. Uh, John the Baptist was not easily swayed. He was solid. Um, he didn't dress in fancy clothes. Um, he didn't eat a lot of impressive. He didn't, he didn't do things to impress people. Uh, he was not trying to impress people because he was on a mission and he was focused. And, you know, I, I like John because John was just so raw. Um, he called things the way he saw it. Like when he told, uh, the reason why he's in jail, because he told, um, Herod, King Herod, that you're not supposed to be married to this woman. You know, that don't sound like a person that's, that's, a, that's afraid. And then also, uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 through 10, the Pharisees and the, uh, and the Sadducees came up. Chapter 3, verse 3. Let's see, we want to go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. It says, but when, we're talking about John, when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, because John was, John was baptizing people. That was his mission, to baptize people to prepare them for Jesus. He denounced them when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he said, you brood of snakes. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He exclaimed, Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. And he's talking about them, okay? So you can see why they're mad at him. He said, yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John did not mince words. He didn't play. He just told it like it was. So Jesus was telling the crowd, and perhaps because they heard uh, John's disciples asking, are you uh, the the Messiah, or do we, or do we look for another? So perhaps he was reassuring the crowd that just because John answers, John, he, John is not a weakling, you know. Um, so he, he kind of was taken up for John here that John is much more than a prophet. And then in verse eleven, he says John was the greatest who ever lived. But even and and that's a lot to be said because think about Moses and all the people that came before. John, uh, but he said, John was the greatest who ever lived, but even the least in the kingdom is greater than him. So what does that mean? John was the last prophet. He's kind of like the last Old Testament prophet. Remember, Jesus hadn't died yet. When John came on the scene, Jesus was just getting ready to come. So John was the last prophet to proclaim Jesus is coming. He was like the last straw, the last, you know, he had the, the greatest uh, task because he was just before Jesus came. Uh, but it said that uh, even though he was the greatest and had that great task, the least in the kingdom is greater than he. So what does that mean? The least in the kingdom, because when John was preaching and talking about Jesus coming, uh, Jesus had not died. His blood had not been shed. Uh, so the least in the kingdom is talking about you and I, saying that we still have a greater advantage than John had. And the reason why we do, because we have the advantage of the blood of Jesus, 
which cleansed us from sin. And we also have the advantage of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So we have, we have that greater advantage than John, even the, the least of us. If, if, even if you're not a preacher, if you're not, you know, just because you're a Christian, he said the least in the kingdom, just those that have said, Lord, come into my heart, is greater than John. That's something to be said. So according to the Quest Study Bible, John was announcing the kingdom, but those who accept Christ and enter into the new covenant will be greater because they will have the benefit, we just said that, of the blood of Jesus. The kingdom, verse 12 said, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? So the way I see this verse in verse 12 is that uh, the spiritual laws, let me just write down the way I said it because I don't want to mess it up. The spiritual laws and the truths of the kingdom had been hijacked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had taken the Bible and they had uh, reinterpreted things and added more rules to the Bible and had all kind of rules for the Sabbath day and you can't walk so many miles on the... They had all kind of stuff they added to the Word of God. And, uh, and they had done that for years. But with the arrival of John, a lot of their religious beliefs and laws were being torn down and attacked by John and they were going to be attacked by Jesus. So the kingdom was suffering violence because they had hijacked the kingdom of God. They had hijacked what uh, uh, the word of God and, and the truths of God and God's people with all this crazy religious legalistic stuff. And John and Jesus were tearing it down and they were tearing it down forcefully. They were not, uh, they were unapologetic. No, no, this is, that's not how it is. You generation of vipers, you know, uh, uh, a show that you're ready to repent if you want him to, you know, they were just, cutting it to the quick, forcefully taking back the kingdom and showing the people that the true kingdom citizens look like this. Amen. So they were taking the kingdom by force. They were forcefully, violent, taking it violently, energetically taking the kingdom back, unapologetically. So, and then Jesus also told them that John, because they were saying uh, in verse 14, they were asking about Elijah coming first. And Jesus told them, well, if you can receive it, John is Elijah that came first because the first Elijah was supposed to come to prepare the way. John prepared the way for Jesus. And in verse 16 through 19, it talked about how um, they didn't accept John. They said John was possessed by a devil, even though he didn't come, um, you know, he came quietly. He wasn't eating or drinking. He was to himself. And then they said Jesus was a wine builder. Now he came and was more merry and, 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 and rejoicing. And they didn't like Jesus either. So they rejected John and they rejected Jesus. But in verse 19, Jesus said, well, wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, uh, you have to look at the results uh, of what, what's being done. Uh, the works that Jesus did produce fruit. The works that John did produce fruit. So look at the results of a person's life. Then in verse 20, it talked about how Jesus began to denounce and rebuke all those cities that had rejected him. Uh, because he had been doing a lot of ministering and a lot of the Jews, because remember he, he went to the Jews first as well. A lot of the Jews were not accepting him. And according to the two cities here that he called out, uh, Kerosene and Beth Bethsaida, and that's in verse 20, 
Uh, according to the, the Nelson Study Bible, both of these cities were in Galilee. It was in the Jewish area. And he was saying that the pagan cities, he compared them to two pagan cities, Tyre, T-Y-R-E, and Sidon, S-I-D-O-N, um, that if they had seen the miracles that were shown to the people in Galilee, those two pagan cities would have repented long ago. And he told them that Judgment Day would not be as bad for Tyre and Sidon as it would be for them. Because uh, think about it, the Jews knew better. They had all this revelation. They had all, they had the Bible. They had the scripture. They had the word of God saying what was going to happen. And when it started happening right before their face, when Jesus started fulfilling what the Bible said was going to happen, when he started doing all these miracles, healing all the sick, raising the dead, they were seeing this with their very eyes and they still could not believe it. They still did not believe it. So basically, he was saying that judgment was going to fall on them. The same for uh, Capernaum, that they were going to be judged harshly because the things that they saw, um, and he compared Capernaum, Capernaum was the place where it was Jesus' headquarters, where he and Peter, you know, Jesus, that was his springboard. That was like where he, uh, the center of his ministry, he would go from there. Um, but he compared Capernaum to Sodom and said, it's going to be worse for you, Capernaum, because, uh, if if Sodom had seen some of the things that I've that I've done, some of the worst that I've done, they would have repented. And you've seen all this, and you're still not repenting. You've seen the works that I do, and you're still not repenting. So it was going to be it was going to be judgment for them. And in Luke chapter twelve, verse forty-seven through forty-eight, it says, and just a scripture I want to read there it says, and the servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. So in other words, you're going to get punished more because you know better. You've been studying the Bible all these years and then you're seeing um, the fruit of what Jesus is doing and you still aren't receptive to Jesus and still denying that he is the son of God. Then we have in verse 25, and we're about to wrap this up, in verse 25 through four through 30, Jesus prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. He says, God, I thank you that you, he's talking to his father, that you have hid the truth from those who think they are wise and, and clever and revealed it to babe. So in other words, you know, you didn't, um, those that think they are wise would be the Pharisees and Sabbath. They thought they knew all about the Bible. So there's a danger in us thinking that we know it all thinking that we already have it together. Nobody can tell us anything. We should always be teachable. Well, Pharisees and Sadducees were not teachable. They felt like they knew it all. And when the truth came to them, they missed it. We can only know the Father through the Son, which is Jesus. And Jesus tells us in verse 28 through 30, to come unto me, all ye that labor uh, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And what is he saying there? All, you know, all those rules and regulations and the things that the Pharisees had put on them. Uh, he was telling them that that is, you know, that's a burden that's too much for you to bear. I need you to come to me. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves of thinking that God expects us to do certain things that he didn't ask us to do. He asked us to lean on him. but He asked us to trust in him. He asked us to believe in him. Amen. Uh, our righteousness are filthy rags. And sometimes we think that we can accomplish things and get things done. And we get disappointed when we fall on our face. 
because God is not going to let us get his glory. And certain things he's not going to let us do because we will take his glory. Look what I did. So he has to allow us some time to fall on our face so that we can humble ourselves. God, I can't do this by myself. Jesus, I need your help. And that's all he wants us to hear, to know that, no, you can't make it by yourself, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not through Linda, not through what put your name out there. All I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means you have to go through him. That means you have to lean on Christ. That means you have to trust Christ to get it done for you. And when the moment that you stop trusting Christ and start depending on yourself is when uh is when God allows us to fall and stumble because he can't allow us to take his glory. He's not going to allow us to take his glory. So he said, take your my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the reason why it's easy and light because he's going to carry the biggest part of that burden. Amen. Amen. So I want you to, um, anybody out there who's listening, who has not accepted Christ into your heart, uh, go on to my channel, read through the Bible with Elder Linda. And there's a playlist there called The Sinner's Prayer. There's two videos. And on The uh, the Sinner's Prayer, it gives you an explanation of why you need Jesus. Because tomorrow is not promised to us, and we need Jesus today. And there's also another uh, teaching on there, teaching us about our salvation, you know, because oftentimes we don't understand uh, why we need Jesus. So if you listen to those two tapes, um, The Sinner's Prayer and Teaching About Salvation, it will give you an understanding of what you're doing so you'll know what's going on and what's happening with you uh, in your salvation experience. Amen. Amen. So we're going to close in prayer. And uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We magnify you, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, uh, Father, those that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, those that need you into their need you in their lives. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would touch each one, oh God. Father, that you would give us the strength, the power, the understanding that you would show us and teach us, oh Lord, that we need you, Jesus. We need you every moment, every hour of the day. Father, anybody that's listening, God, who's going through depression. Uh, who, who's who's questioning, even during this time of year, who's feeling lonely. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you will comfort all those that need to be comforted. Father, anyone that, that feels, Lord God, that they have no one to lean on. Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord God, that you will show them, Lord God, that you are their strength, that they can lean on you, that they can trust in you. Father, we thank you, oh God, for comforting all those who mourn, all those who are feeling lonely, all those who need you even during this season, during this holiday season, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, Father, that you are the one that can keep us. Father, we praise you, we magnify you, we ask that you be with us during this season, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.